Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. No Fun, the Jen Kirkman Podcast, Season 11, Episode 38. Hi, I am Jen Kirkman. So in this portion of the episode, if you're listening to this right now on your favorite podcast app, it means that you are subscribed. Thank you. And this is the free version, which is just the first 10, 15, 20 minutes or so. And then the full one-hour version is available without ads on Patreon patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Sign up for a seven-day free trial. But anyway, in this portion, I wanted to talk about social media. Well, I just wanted to say goodbye to Twitter. I feel like I haven't really given it a eulogy, even though it's been dead and changed to X for a long time. And it's dead to me. Let me put it this way. So I mean, I'd say for me, even before Elon Musk bought Twitter, that I wasn't really using it that much anymore. And I liked to, you know, promote things on it. I did enjoy, not political debate. I never want to get on there and start debating things with people. I enjoyed it being this sort of filter, not filter, but like a thing, a a catch-all, I guess. I went, I would search a topic I wanted to see news articles about, and then all of the pertinent media would come up. You know, magazines, newspapers that I read, I would see what they tweeted. Oh, here's some more, you know, information about whatever, this presidential race or this environmental thing or COVID, whatever it is. And so I was more using it as, oh, first thing in the morning, what's the news of the day? Let me go and see what the headlines are, that kind of thing. But I'd stopped making jokes on Twitter because I, again, like after stopping doing stand-up a couple of years ago, it just my mind doesn't work with jokes coming to me. And what was the point really? You know? But it was just kind of a place where I'd developed this over... 250,000 person. I'm sure there's some bots in there following. And and yet there was this sense you're not even reaching 200 of those people. There's so many people on here now. It goes so fast. I don't know what the algorithm is. It just didn't feel the same as it had when I first got on. And let's take a moment to talk about early Twitter. Early Twitter... I mean, really looking back, there was nobody on that. 
because really such a small percentage of the population is on Twitter anyway. Most people are not on it. It gives such a skewed sense of America in some ways. And in some ways, it does give an important sense of, well, God, if there are this many people here who believe this terrible thing, you know they exist in America and they aren't on Twitter. I mean, it can give you a sense, it can give you a little bit of a feeling like what's the pulse of things out there. But either way, it's a small slice of the population. And I remember first getting on Twitter, I think it was 2008, but I really remember Twitter really popped off, I'd say 2011. There was this fun aspect to it where you could follow your friends and people were meeting each other over Twitter. And I don't mean dating or hooking up, but I actually totally mean dating and hooking up as well. But you could see, okay, here's my friend Susie Doozy. She lives in LA. And then, oh, here's my friend Benny Denny. He lives in New York. And I'm tweeting with Susie Doozy and Benny Denny follows me And then he sees my tweets to Susie Doozy, and we're all talking about something we have in common, and they're mutual friends of mine. Maybe they start tweeting at each other, and then you see people tweeting at each other a lot, and you see people becoming friends. And this happened to me. I observed this with people, people that lived in the same city or state or not. And then it happened to me where I would become friends with people and you'd see people start kind of flirting with each other and tweeting at each other. And there wasn't a slide into my DMs thing. I mean, I'm sure there was, but a lot of it was public at first under the guise of we're all having fun here. I don't mean, well, I'm sure there were some creeps on there who were joking around with people in public and then sliding into DMs, but there were actual friendships made and hookups happening and relationships starting because of people meeting each other through through mutual friends on Twitter. And then there would be this thing where it's like, wait a minute, did Susie Doozy and Benny Denny meet? Because they both were tweeting at each other that they loved this new movie that was coming out and they're joking around. And then they both stopped tweeting around the same time, uh, you know, eight o'clock on Saturday. And then they both haven't tweeted since then. And now it's Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And oh, what? Whoa, oh, they're both tweeting. Maybe not at each other, but they've both logged on to Twitter and I I see both of them posting things on their accounts. And you go, oh, my God, they totally hooked up last night and went out. It's that's how small the world was, even though there were thousands of people on there. And yes, you could read an article from this newspaper or that. But it was also small enough that you could see your actual real life world interacting in the same way that I guess you could on Facebook. And yet you could follow whatever a jeans company that you liked and the politicians weren't there yet. And I'm a political person. I don't, I don't like when people go, I'm not political. Well, good for you that you get to opt out of society, but I didn't want them on Twitter. Again, I'm watching Susie Doozy, Benny Denny falling in love here. And then it just 
over the years, it just got so not fun. I mean, sure, there was always the occasional person who would say something negative and you'd joke back with them and be like, nice life. I started to say to people, you seem fun. And then they'd just go away. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't bullying. It was just like, dude, get up. Or people people used to put notifications on their phone. If they followed you on Twitter because they were a fan of you, they would get notified every time you tweeted. And then they'd go, you tweet too much. My notifications are blowing up. And I'd be like, don't be notified, you fucking nerd. It was just a different world. And then it just slowly got worse, but we were already all addicted. We were hoping maybe it'll go back to what it was, you know? Nothing ever goes back to what it was. Don't hang on to things. Get out. Log out. But I stayed. I stayed because I started to use it differently. Okay, Twitter became less the thing I go to when I'm binge-watching a show and want to joke around with everyone and see my real friends because their feeds are popping up. Now I'm following thousands of people or, you know, instead of a hundred. And now I'm looking at it for news. Okay, come the politicians. And, that, and then we all know we get into bots and Russia and this and that. But Besides all that horribleness, like the way I use Twitter did change. And then it, it, at first it used to be really good for promotion. You you posted that you were, you know, doing a gig somewhere. This was, you know, maybe now we're getting into like 2014. Oh, people would see it and they would totally go. And then it became just so many people using Twitter for so many different reasons that they might stop thinking of it as a place where they follow their favorite comedians and it's more news for them or something. I don't know. But they'd miss the announcement. And then my Twitter every day just became, I just went to San Diego to the person tweeting me, come to San Diego. Oh, join my email list, get on my tour. I mean, that was a nightmare. <laughs> but then, then it just kept evolving and devolving. But it still had, there were still good stuff about Twitter. I learned so much from people I normally wouldn't interact with on a daily basis. And I, I love going there and just seeing what people wanted to talk about. I learned things from different generations, different everythings. And then it just truly became unworkable on purpose, as designed by him, when Elon Musk bought it. And I didn't want to spend all day talking about it. It became, I know Facebook renamed itself Meta or something, but Twitter truly became Meta. You tweet about how Elon Musk bought Twitter. And I'm like, why? This is all he wants, you guys. He just wants you to talk about him. And then the people I follow normally make me laugh or they're, they're talking about it. I don't, I don't want to hear about this man. I already have one man in my life that literally I hear about or thoughts of him pop into my head every day is Donald Trump. I don't need another person who occupies my mind. I mean, Donald Trump does not occupy my mind, but you understand he's always up there, so he's always doing something. I, I didn't need another one of those. And I really knew that Elon Musk was on Twitter to destroy it. And he did. And so the blue check marks went away. Now it's like I couldn't even go and look at a legitimate news source if I tried because I don't know who's what. Then you buy a blue check mark and neo-Nazis are taking over. Now I just can't. 
And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he tweeted, um, I read about this. I'm not on X, the drug or the new Twitter, but he tweeted, I'm still using the word tweet, a, an emoji of a clown and an emoji of the globe, which is clown world, which is some kind of um, neo-Nazi white supremacist code. And I just don't want anything to do with this site. You know, I'm not paying to be on it or anything, but I just don't even want to be on it for free. First of all, what I go to it for is gone. And I have nothing to say. Like, I'm not doing jokes. Political stuff, it's like I just do these postcards to voters kind of things. Um, maybe TikTok could be a place or Instagram where if I want to let people know something. I feel like for me, I'm never trying to change the minds of people. I'm a Democrat. I'm not trying to change the minds of people who aren't a Democrat. But I do think that people who are liberal or Democrats, uh, you know, whether they're more moderate Democrats or liberal or whatever, I do think a lot of people don't often have information about things. So I'm just trying to tell the people that are already in the same party that I am, hey, did you know that today the Biden administration signed this provision that's going to help protect blah, blah, blah. You know, something that I know is important to Democrats, but I might hear them say, well, what are they doing about this? And they just don't have the information. And then I can say, oh, oh they actually did this. Oh, thanks. You know, that kind of thing is what the only thing I use social media for politically. I'm not here to debate or change minds. I'm actually just trying to get info to Democrats who don't really totally pay attention to the nitty gritty. Not that I do, but I think I've found more often than not that I do have information usually that people were like, oh, I, I somehow missed that or I guess I don't look. And to get them to not be discouraged so that they don't vote third party or worse, don't vote. And or, and I don't mean worse, same same bad. Both are bad. But um, that's all I'm concerned about is getting people who are already registered Democrat to vote. So Twitter, if I'm going to use it for political purposes, is not the place. And there's been a lot of talk lately that, you know, it's just overrun by neo-Nazis and all that, and that people need to stay on it and fight. And it's like, no, I don't actually. I wouldn't go walk into a Proud Boys meeting and go, I need to be a voice here. I'm going to stay and fight. Like, I'm, I'm trying to get people elected that will make these people obsolete, at least as, as it stands of them being in our government. But spending time on a social media app where I really, like the algorithm does not favor people unless they are kind of part of this Elon Musk point of view. No one is seeing what I'm writing. I can barely see anything I want to see. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a neo-Nazi platform now. And there's always going to be an underground neo-Nazi platform. This is quite above ground. But in that same logic, oh, I have to go over here now and, and fight that. No one's, I, I just don't see it as a worthy fight because Elon Musk controls how it works and who sees what. And it's just, yeah, it's really sad that it's been turned into what it's turned into. But I really didn't even want to waste my time on Twitter anymore in the first place. So I logged out. 
I don't even know my password. I don't know how to log back in. I didn't deactivate my account. Um, if I figure out how to log back in, I guess I can do that. But I don't look at it anymore. It's not on my phone. It's not on my computer. I just don't even think about it. So rest, rest in peace, I guess, Twitter. I don't want it to have peace, but old Twitter. Old Twitter was a great part of life. It was a, a literally a different world. And so rest in peace, that different world as well. But it brought me to an article I was reading, and I just don't understand this article. It's from thecut.com. And it's written by a woman named Anya Kamenetz. And it says, her byline says she's a writer who covers parenting. So it says here that teenagers love LinkedIn. And that they say, I mean, not every teenager on earth, but teenagers that were, I guess, interviewed for this article say that it's very positive on there and they feel it's how social media should be. Now, I agree. I don't, I don't like to get angry and riled up. So I don't go to social media to do that. I don't use Facebook. I don't know what my family is saying. I don't want to know what the Trumpy people in my family are saying. I don't need to know. I don't want to know what anyone is saying ever, really, about anything. And if I do, I'll text them. Instagram's kind of my happy place. I follow just a lot of fashion and home design. I don't find a lot of meanness there. And that's about it. You know, I'm on there here and there, like not even half hour a day. And that's fine with me. Like I don't have, social media is no place in my life anymore and it's totally fine. But I found this interesting and I don't know, email me at nofunpodcast at jenkirkman.com if you don't, if you disagree or if you agree or if you know, I had never, even to me LinkedIn's like a joke. Not a joke, I know it serves a purpose, but it's, it would, like the jokes people make about LinkedIn are jokes about like as though it's a social media site in the way that we think of social media. But according to this article, younger users um, say LinkedIn is their happy place from across the country and every socioeconomic background. These kids describe the platform as a zero irony zone, a sanctuary from angry rants, dark humor, thirst traps, and FOMO characteristics of other social media networks. They interviewed a, guy, a kid who said it's a place for connection and a place for celebration. He's a high school senior. It's such a celebratory, positive, uplifting environment. I think it's honestly more wholesome to celebrate people's professional or academic success on LinkedIn than to post on Facebook, which airs on the side of gossip or speculation. Gen Z's enthusiasm may be part of the reason that LinkedIn is growing while you know all the other social media sites are imploding. Again, I never thought of it as social media, but the network reported a 41% increase in the volume of content posted between spring 2021 and spring 2023, and that Gen Z is one of the fastest growing demographics on LinkedIn, according to Andrew McCaskill, whom the company identifies as a LinkedIn career expert. Um, a private academic advisor and a consultant in Silicon Valley says that LinkedIn teens um, are already thinking about careers because they're increasingly skeptical about the value of college. And uh, 
they're getting the message that they can find information about careers in life and work on LinkedIn and build a professional network before they go to college or even in step. Um, this other guy they interviewed, this kid whose last name is Clifton, says he's been on LinkedIn since he was 14. He uses the platform to share his academic achievements, his student leadership work, and the opinion pieces he sometimes writes for local papers. He said, um, you know, he'd been searching for how to apply somewhere. Like, he, oh, he wanted to work as a counselor for the New York Times Summer Academy. He DM'd them on Instagram. Then they said, email us. Then he emailed them. And then they said, call us. He reached out five, six times over the year, couldn't get answers. But he was shocked when he used the LinkedIn app. And within 48 hours, he'd done an interview and then received an offer. Um, a first-year student at Yale says, I don't use it to stalk my parents' coworkers or anything. I use it to stay up to date with people doing cool jobs, keep up on topics like AI, and talk with other people my age. She uh, Celebrating other people for the things that they have that you don't have, that's the psychological way of signaling that it's okay and you can be happy in your own life. The author of the article says, is there such a thing as too upbeat? As uh, I mean, And uh, this kid says no. LinkedIn confines users to only having warm reactions to posts. You can like, celebrate, support, funny, so on. Oh, I like that. Uh, he says, we shouldn't have posts that make people angry and make people sad. This is how social media should be. I agree. And I know people go, these kids today, they can't handle hardship. And they, they got Listen, everyone's got hardship in real life. Everyone is going to have disappointment, hardship in real life. Mean people, they see the world. But we're talking about social media. It's it's a reflection of real life, but it can also be a reflection of the best parts of real life. And why not? Why do we have to have, well, life is shit. Let's put shit on social media. I mean, this, I don't want to hear any like kids today. Fuck, fuck that. You didn't have social media as a kid. Social media as an adult has completely rotted my brain. And I, I love an idea of only a positive place. That's a nice thing when you're pulling out your phone that you have this intimate relationship with and you want to go somewhere. And it's not, it's not to replace your sense of self-worth or it should be the only place you have kindness in your life. But for the love of God, if you want to go and post something about something you're proud of, I like the idea that people really aren't going, fuck you. or <laughs> They're just like, hey, I like that. And if they don't like it, they won't do anything. Like a normal, like, like how it should be. So I think this is cool. I just don't how true is this? Are, ki are the kids really on LinkedIn? And should I get on LinkedIn? What should I be doing on there? I, I can't really handle any more things, but I don't know. Maybe it's something I should do. I don't have a need for it. I have a job, but and that's not how you get writing jobs anyway, but I don't know. Is LinkedIn the future? Send me an email, nofunpodcast at jenkirkman.com. And to hear the rest of this episode... Click the link in your show notes. You get it that seven-day free trial on Patreon. And I'll see you over there. And if not, until next week, have fun.